Well, good morning and welcome on this beautiful Sunday morning. I hope that uh, you uh, were able to get your heater working long enough to get the, the frost off the windshields if you needed to, uh, but we're glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, the building in here is a little bit cooler because of the fact apparently they're having some concerns with one of the units, and uh, so you might want to keep your coat nearby, but uh, at the same time, we're, we're doing our best to get it warmed up here today. We're glad that you're with us, and it's good to have guests with us this morning, and I hope that you'll be made to feel welcome. And if you are able to uh, take a moment and uh, look on the bulletin there, there is a way to uh, connect with us and us to connect with you. It's a way for us to uh, have a record of your visit and a time uh, just to kind of time stamp your presence with us. And so I hope that uh, you'll help us with that and uh, fill that out for us if you would online or uh, there are connection cards that are backed by some of our giving stations and we would just love to have a record of your visit here this morning and welcome you today. I'm Pastor Adam Love, senior pastor here, and just a few things for us to just sort of uh, touch base on. Most of this information, pretty much all of it, you can find in your bulletin, but uh, just want to highlight a couple of points and make sure that you're aware of. But uh, first of all, take note that there are some things in the foyer that are available for you. Uh, there's uh, materials there, there's uh, reading plans, there's one-year Bibles, it's not that the Bible is done after the one year, but it's a way for you to go through Scripture in a year if that's something you'd like to do. Uh, there are these uh, little booklets, these Scripture journals that we have uh, purchased and uh, making available to you. I believe the cost is $4, uh, but uh, they are a Scripture journal that is designed to walk through and work through the Gospel of John. Uh, this is one of those events in our church where I... I sometimes wonder, okay, Lord, what are you up to? But uh, I have been planning to preach through the Gospel of John now for several months. And uh, come to find out, Steve Gilmore is teaching through the Gospel of John. I come to find out, Bill Summers is teaching through the Gospel of John. So it must be that John is the book of the year. So in uh, any case, this is a way for you to work with us as we walk through the Gospel of John, whether you're in one of those classes or not, and uh, to just take some notes and to put some things down. And those are available back in the four-year if it's something you would like to add to maybe a devotional study or taking notes in here or working through this book together, uh, that is available and Kelly O'Rear would be more than happy to help you with that after the service this morning. I want to mention as well that Tina Holcomb's ladies class on prayer begins this morning and I believe that is in the foyer and uh, so that uh, class, that is an every other week class that she will be doing uh, and marching through uh, the, the days ahead here but at the same time taking time to pause and to think about the importance and the significance of prayer, uh, something that we all need time at times to be challenged in and encouraged in and reminded of. And so I hope that you'll take a moment and think about that if you're, especially as a lady, uh, to sit in there with her and to learn together this thought on prayer. Uh, there are those that uh, are also meeting throughout the rest of the building. Uh, don't forget right after this time, we have a time of fellowship, which we encourage everyone to stay for. And uh, it's out those double doors, through another set of double doors, through the courtyard, into another set of double doors, into the fellowship hall. And uh, it's a great time there just to enjoy some refreshments, but also fellowship with others. And then our discipleship hour after that at the 11 o'clock hour. So uh, those are the events for today. Tonight, there are some different things that are happening, so take note of that, and I uh, hope that uh, you'll avail yourself to uh, those opportunities, other additional studies, as well as Awana, as well as uh, choir practice, I believe, tonight, and, and things of this nature, so all those things happening. 
There's some that we're praying for and uh, continuing to pray for, and you'll notice their names, several requests there. Uh, one that uh, didn't make it in here is Renee Haston. Uh, she has uh, developed a pretty serious infection and, uh, in one of her feet, and uh, they've had to do some surgery. And uh, so just be in prayer for her, and uh, there's real hope that uh, they can get this cleared up, get the infection out, and uh, so just continue to pray for her health and her well-being. Uh, pray for Ron and uh, those that are connected with them, and uh, so just remember them today, and uh, they are greatly missed here even this morning. But uh, then others, Ashley Gilmore is in the hospital. Uh, she has uh, been having a, a difficult pregnancy, but grateful the Lord has continued to help the baby to grow and to develop, and uh, she is now at a point where the doctors feel that uh, if the delivery needed to happen, it would be one of the more safe deliveries and uh, spend some time, though, in some uh, care afterwards, but uh, grateful that uh, she has reached a milestone there, but uh, they want to continue as long as possible to see the child get at least another couple to three weeks if possible. So be in prayer for Ashley. and. Uh, if you, you know, have a desire to interact with her, I know she would appreciate it because she gets tired of looking at Steve all the time. So, uh, but at the same point, uh, all those uh, things that happen in a young mom's life that uh, she's now tucked away in a room and everything's around her going on and she's not able to participate. So I know she would appreciate engagement from you and interaction and most importantly, your prayers and for her and this little one that's uh, next life to come. So uh, be in prayer for them if you would. There's several others that uh, we continue to pray for, uh, many who have gone through some different procedures and uh, just in recovery, but uh, just mindful of these that are part of our church. And so thinking about them. Well, if you would join with me and let's stand together and we're going to commence with our time of worship. And as we enjoy doing here, it's, I think it's pulling our attention and starting with where God's word starts. And that is a verse that's found in John chapter one and verse three, and a way for us to think about what it is that God is doing in the midst of creation and who he is. And this is also tied to some of the thoughts that we'll be talking about even this morning. So let's say this verse found in John one, verse three, together, all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Let's go to the Lord this time and, and prepare our hearts to worship. Uh, there are those things that can crowd, that can maybe even uh, cause our hearts to become obscured in the troubles, sometimes the attractions, the, the thoughts that can distract us. And I hope that as we enter into this place, as we come here, we think about what God's been teaching us, the Monday through Saturday relationship. And I hope that we've been worshiping him Monday through Saturday. But together now we get to put our voices together. We come together as a people to celebrate this great God, this wonderful God, this loving God, and we worship him. Father, I pray that you will prepare our hearts to receive what it is that we need to receive to give what it is that we are to give. And the sharing and the fellowship, the community, the, the sense of what we have as tied to our relationship with you as our God. And Lord, there may be one here this morning that really doesn't have a relationship with you. Maybe there is a knowledge, maybe there is a curiosity, maybe there is a hypocrisy. Maybe it's an outright desire to just simply ignore to push you away, but yet because of circumstances, they're here this morning. 
And Lord, I pray that no matter what our situation is, that today there would be something said and done that would draw our attention, our awareness to our need of you, really in all reality, our desperate need of you. Lord, that there would also be such a release of joy in our hearts because of what we have found in you as our Savior, as our friend, as the creator of our very existence and the hope of what is to come. And so, Lord, I pray that you will really imbibe in us, Lord, something that gives to us a sense of peace, a real sense of contentment. We're grateful for who you are and what you are to us as God. And, Lord, I don't have to be your duty. I don't have to do. I don't have to be what you are. You can be fully God and I can be fully your child. So Lord, I pray that you will grant to us what we need from your word. I pray that you would encourage our hearts through the fellowship as we get ready to sing songs of our faith, that we would resonate with these truths, that we would understand better what we are expressing. And so Lord, I pray that you would magnify yourself. Lord, we, we do pray for those that are not here with us. And we lift up Renee. We we think of Ashley, we think of others uh, that are recovering, and I just pray, God, that you would bring strength and encouragement. Lord, I pray for those that are weary, I pray for those that are just not well today. Lord, I pray that you would raise them up again. Lord, I ask now that you'll just uh, really blend our hearts together this morning, and may you be magnified in everything that is done and said here, and it's in Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. In uh, First Chronicles chapter 29, uh, King David uh, is in the temple and he prays a prayer, a prayer that's celebrating God's authority over the things in heaven and the things in earth. And he's expressing his thankfulness, his gratefulness for who God is and what he's done. Listen to this prayer in verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, O God, and our praise, and we praise your glorious name. And in Psalm 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. We're going to begin our service this morning singing a song that we've sung many times before, but I think appropriate this morning as we declare our praise and thankfulness to God for His greatness and His graciousness in our lives. We declare your majesty. Sing with us today.
stand before you today and lift our praises to you. You have created all and you have authority over all things in heaven and things in earth. God, it's a privilege to stand here today and sing to you and thank you for allowing us to do that. I pray that you'd help us to focus on your word this morning as Adam comes and shares. May our hearts be encouraged for you are our creator. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. John chapter 1. In many ways, we come again to this book with a longing desire for us to come and see. This is what John is going to beg of us to do as he marches through his gospel. There's something unique about the way that John writes, the understanding of what he has to tell us. And there is a longing within his heart and his way of writing to come, come to these people that would hear his words, read his words, and he asked them to come and behold this man, to look at this one who is known as the Word. As he opens his book here in these first few verses and beginning in verse 1 again where he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. He goes then into this next section of talking about the ones who bear witness of this. There came a man who was sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man, and he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came into his own, and those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were not born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God." And then verse 14, really through 18, he begins to come back again to this point of beginning. The word became flesh, dwelt among us. 
We saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John testified about him, cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For he is the fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ, and no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. I want to come again this morning to this prologue, second part. Looking at what we find here, in many ways, John isn't quite ready to completely open the doors for us to see, but there's a lot of things that he does inside of this, this opening segment of these first 18 verses of what he writes here for us. It's been said, and we mentioned this last week, that John's prologue doubtless represents one of the most beautiful and carefully crafted poetic portions in the entire New Testament. And so I remind us of that again to appreciate that this Gospel of John, and it, it is a marvel of really of writing in the way that you look at how John writes this Gospel. And even in First and Second and Third John, these are complicated books. They're not complicated in their content, but in the ways that John has woven together the words and the themes and the things that he is trying to express, this is a book that was crafted over a long period of time, something that he finally took time to write for us. And so don't just simply blow through the gospel, appreciating that this book is probably one of the most technical, but yet in some ways the most simple books in our entire New Testament. Thinking about what we find here, the importance of John's introduction is that it sets up the rest of the book. And as another writer put it, the story of the prologue tells, that the story of the prologue tells is thus the story of the whole gospel, the whole gospel of John in a miniature form. And so you're going to get the themes, you're going to get an understanding of everything that John wants us to understand here in these first 18 verses, but then he begins to unpack them and show us all of these beautiful truths that are there for us to see. Now we've taken some time and we have deliberated on the first two verses because we need to establish the person of the word. And the understanding here of what he is saying, this is Jesus, this is the focus of the book, this person known as the Word. And that isn't to say that the other Gospels chose to speak any lesser of Jesus. It's not to say that they sought to tell a different story. But John has a presentation that is unique in the way that he presents Christ. And we're going to see some of those unique features as we move through the Gospel of John and look at the book and at the heart of them. There's a question that should be asked when we read through John is, why did John choose the particular stories that he chose? And, and why did he choose the format that he chose where the other Gospel writers did not? Why did John skip over the baptism of Christ? And, and why did John not give us any of the words in the Last Supper? Why does John emphasize the I am statements unlike any of the other historical writings? Why is the Samaritan woman only mentioned in John along with other unique features like turning water to wine, foot washing, teaching on the Holy Spirit, and such an emphasis upon the divine and the human identity of Jesus? And so to John, the word Jesus is at the beginning of the story. He's already there. 
Jesus is the Son of God. He makes no bones about it. He, he doesn't leave any doubt in his understanding of way that he brings the light on upon the, the scenarios and the circumstances where they pick up stones to throw stones at him and to stone him to death because he makes himself out to be the Son of God. John is not going to hide his design in telling us very emphatically that this is truly the Son of God. At the same time, the Son of Man, the Messiah. And he is here to create a new beginning, a new creation. And when the beginning was the Word. So understanding what we find here, as we've noted, Jesus existed prior to Well, basically, anything that exists. The was of verse 1, that word that's used there is to state a place in existence that is predating what we understand to be our existence. He simply was. And later in John, the I am statements are going to come to light. You're going to see them repeatedly used, and it's going to be used to imply a presence that simply is. God has no birth story. In fact, Jesus truly has no beginning story. We think of him as a little baby in a manger, but that is not the beginning of Jesus as the Son of God. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. All of these speak of a pre-existent condition, and these are statements of existence that go before anything that we know of. And then you get to verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. In a place, in a situation, in a a location, in a proximity, he was there in the beginning with God. And now we continue to look at the next portion of this prologue, verses 3 through 5, and looking at these simple statements that are made about him, and noticing then again all things came into being through him, apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being, in him was life. There's a lot of debate as to whether or not the continuation of that thought goes into the beginning of verse 4, in him was life, like that's where the period should be. Remember now, verses and chapter divisions are not inspired, okay, so that's our human introduction to ways to formulate and to help us break up the scriptures. And so there is some discussion as to whether or not in him was life should belong with that really the thought of verse 3. And the life as a continuation of that thought. The life was the light of men. Continuing into verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not comprehend it. Notice with me some thoughts here this morning as we think about these verses, this part of the prologue. First of all, it's the creation. We think about the creation aspect here. And if there's anything that I'm sensing that's becoming more and more challenged in the the American church and because of the fact that we've just gotten so smart that we have relegated God to something that is bound by and what we would deem is controlled by a scientific approach where God in his very declaration of who he is and what he is and what he has done has simply given to us over and over and over and over again in Scripture the fact that it's because of him that we exist. The creation aspect of this story that John introduces, and he introduces it by stating that all things. And when you read that, you have to begin to let your imagination run wild. I love how F.B. Meyer put it when he wrote this, and he says, it was the voice of Jesus that said, let there be light. And the new ethereal substance spread like a haze of glory through space. 
It was the hand of Jesus that made the expanse between cloud and sea in which the birds fly. And it was the bidding of Jesus that drove the turbulent waters from the land into the ocean bed which he had scooped. It was Jesus that rolled the stars on their orbits to tell forth the glory of God and to keep time on nature's dial. It was Jesus that made the fish to flash in the deep, the reptile to creep in the break, the firefly to glance through the forest, the birds to sing in the woods, flocks to browse in the hills, and herds to traverse the prairies. It was Jesus who created the human nature which in after years he was to assume. He made man in the image and after the likeness of what he was himself to be in the fullness of time. What strange emotions must have filled his heart as he built up that first man from the red earth. What we now see in the world in which we live upon amongst the billions of other galaxies and stars is all the creative genius of God. It is all here because the very word, the word of God, spoke them into existence. But what is so important to understand about this verse? Is it any wonder that when we hear of the scientists and those they're exploring, they send you know, technological marvels that we have created to distant planets and they, they send one off to Mars and they land it on, the, on that, that satellite out there amongst the, the, the star that is known as our soul system and they, they go out there and what's their whole ambition? Find life. They put something out there with the design to understand how did we come into existence? And in all of that pursuit, and all of that wonder, and all of that technological advancement, and all the billions and billions of dollars, it would be just a whole lot simpler and a whole lot cheaper to turn to Genesis 1 and find out how we got here. And John brings that to light, and it's that grand need within all of our hearts' designs to know, why am I here? How did I come to exist Because it teaches me, and I long to know that because it gives me a sense of understanding of what is my purpose. But more importantly, is this all that there is? Because if this is it, then I have a whole set of designs and purpose for my life that only includes the frail, weak existence that if I can make it to 75, even to 80-something, I will have said I have lived a long life. John reminds us that there is more to this understanding than simply something that we would imagine of our existence without there being a creator God. And he brings back into this our origin story. And with that origin story, then draws me into a place of realization and confrontation between what caused my existence and then what's my accountability, what's my response, what's my understanding. Thinking on these things, the point of John is a place of beginning. To know that this word was there before the beginning, but he was there at the beginning is a huge step really forward in us understanding that he can also create a new beginning for those who believe in him. John is going to challenge our attempt to think that we can exist apart from him. 
We're going to get to John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved this world. It's not the the trees and the shrubs and the grass. It's not even the the crystal green waters of the Caribbean. It's, It's not necessarily the particular bird he made. He loved everything about what we had as an opportunity to know life. He loved us. He loved the potential of the relationship that he had created to have with mankind. God so loved the world that in that love he chose a perfect gift of demonstration and expression of that love so fitting to the magnitude of his love that he would give his only begotten son the only son and what was the purpose of his gift that if people would simply believe in him they would have life and not just any unique kind of life it is a life that eternally has opportunity to enjoy this God in his presence. Thinking about that thought and what John is getting us to see, the uniqueness of this and what John is saying is that nothing that exists came into existence without the word speaking it into existence. And thus the authority on our existence is not found within ourselves but in him. So let me pose you a question. Perhaps maybe the problems that you're having is because you're seeking to create a world around you that is in your image instead of his. Are you attempting to formulate a world around you that is more in your design and in your image than the one that he is seeking to design? The one that he created. Even in the the sense of what sin has done to destroy the original creation and what we find is that scripture says that he wants to make all things new and yet in our attempts so many times we want to blend those and blur those lines. What Christ is seeking to give to us is something that is new, something that is wonderful, something that is uniquely from him to us. And perhaps the struggle that we're having is is that we are still living as if we are the ones in control rather than letting him be God. What world are you trying to create? And so John's going to challenge our understanding of his priority from the very beginning to even where we are in our place in history, our place in time. And understanding him as that creator God, and it's going to come up repeatedly. It comes up in the New Testament over and over again. It is that common illustration that's used even in the Old Testament to remind us of the authority, the austerity, the beauty, and the magnitude of his abilities and his power. And he puts all of that to use in creating for us something new and wonderful through the person of Jesus Christ. More is going to come in John that helps us understand the value of Christ's creative genius But then also he moves into verse 4, and it's what I would call not just the creation, but the constitution. He says in verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, by constitution here, I don't mean the U.S. constitution, but it has a similar idea. That which constitutes, makes up, gives order and substance to something. What is the word other than the spoken or the expression of God? 
John begins to add now to that as he takes us into a little bit more of an identification, more of an expansion on his thinking about this one that is known as the Word. And John begins to add to this creation concept by identifying that which is made is done so from the life that he is. You know, the concept here in verse 4, in him was life. The idea, again, is that same word. This is something that pre-existed, something that predates everything that we call living. This is something that existed before anything came into being. The word was life. The word existed as life prior to anything being created in the existence that we call our own. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, Then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That's interesting because if you look back to Genesis 1, you'll find that there's already been a description of the fish and the birds, and these are living creatures, and, and, and there isn't a similar concept that's given to plants, but there is a sense that there is a vitality, there is a growth, there's things happening and all of that. But when you get to this description of man, regarding man, he is not just a living being, but he is a being that possesses the very breath of life. We are crafted uniquely different, even from all that we would describe as being alive. And the word existed this life that we now possess. He is this life, this life that makes us living beings that are made in the expression of God's image. John takes this to heart and he says, from the beginning of our existence, God created a world that was suitable for humanity to inhabit. This is our world, our place in the cosmos, in the known of our existence. And God created the male and the female that would then be able to reproduce after their own likeness. Life was not created at the beginning. It was there before the beginning. This word is life. You want to live? Then you come to Jesus to live. You want to know real life? What John's going to emphasize is that the real source of life is that your faith, your belief is in who Jesus is. And that is what John is going to point out to us. Perhaps you're confused about where you belong, how you fit in, who you are. Maybe it's because you keep trying to reimagine the constitution of your existence into something that you are not and believing you can live apart from the life that is Jesus. When I was a kid, I used to play with G.I. Joe action figures. You remember those? Now, some of you are even older than me and you had those really tall ones, okay? I wasn't that old, okay? I'm talking about the little normal action figures. And I would spend hours. I had hundreds of these things. I mean, I had a paper route, and I would take my money, and I would buy an action figure. Every week, I got a paycheck. And I would go into, at that time, my parents were, you know, pretty heavily into church planting and so forth. And so I'd be down at the church with them that we're using or some building we were converting or in one of those rooms in our house that we were using for home church or whatever the case may be. And I would, I would play for the hours you know, and thinking about these figures that dressed in their army fatigues and fighting the evil cobra terrorists. 
And I would play and I would be setting up battles. I'd be destroying forts. I would be saving outflank troops from unimaginable horrors of cliff of edge battles made out of couch pillows and dining room tables. Then mom would call for supper and all those action figures would get cleaned up or we'd have to set up a Sunday school room where I was playing for some Bible study or something like that and they'd get thrown in a box and tucked away until the next opportune time for me to drag them back out and rebuild my forts and rebuild all my imagination back into play. Flint and snake eyes were bigger than life. And I had created a world of my own imagination and I was using these little figurines to play out my imagination. But they were not real. They were not living. Not even Disney is able to make me believe that my toys came to life when I wasn't looking. See, life is not in me to create. Life is not something that I can just simply manufacture in a test tube or on some assembly line. Life is only offered through the power of a being that is not controlled by death. Christ's very constitution is life, and with that then comes the light. Life is only found in what God has created and what God has granted to it. And he granted that life to us as his image bearers. As those that were uniquely created as a living being because God made us to be those image bearers. We are the keepers of a gift that comes from being created by God's handiwork. We possess life. But man rejected the designer. Man sought to imagine life without him as if they could exist apart from him. In some ways, imagining myself to be like that little figurine, trying to think of myself as having anything in myself that would give me living power, anything living. But more importantly, to take what God had already imbibed this life within, and then for me to imagine that I can somehow function and I can somehow pretend like I did not receive this precious gift from something greater than me, that I can imagine myself as in control of my life, as if I am the author of life. And so death passed upon all mankind as a punishment for the rebellion against the creator and the darkness fell across the face of the earth. We think of death as a permanent place of oblivion, but death speaks more of an eternal separation from the life giver. And John is going to show us how to live. I want you to come and see Jesus because he has the words of life to find a new creation in Christ. But last, we have to recognize the conflict. And that is really what verses four and five talk about. The life was in the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Light and darkness. When you read Genesis one and two, you see a lot about light and darkness. Darkness is the void. It is the boundless, shapeless expanse of emptiness. In scripture, darkness takes on the image of evil, the image of obscurity. It carries the place of death, the place of shame. Darkness is where you go to attempt to hide from the presence of God. Darkness is where the fear dwells and hopelessness cries out from. But within just a few verses in Genesis, you find as he writes there, as Moses recorded the historical event in Genesis 1, 3, and 4, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. 
You see, light takes on a whole new meaning as Scripture moves us along. And for John, it is going to mean a message that points out hope, a message of freedom. If you want to be free, the truth is what will set you free. And as much as Christ is life, he is light. He he consists, his constitution is that which illuminates of what enlightens us to truth, to a way back to God, to finding this life. But notice the conflict, the darkness cannot seem to comprehend the light. It's an interesting word that is translated here in the New American as comprehend. It can mean two things. It can mean making something one's own as if to win it or to attain it. So it's like something to be conquered, something to be won. So it's, if you read it in that way, the darkness could not win the light. They could not attain the light. They, they couldn't conquer the light. Now, that could mean in the sense that there was an attempt by the darkness to overwhelm it, to obscure it, to put it out. Or it could be that they were attempting to somehow gain this, but doing it through a way that comes from darkness rather than coming to the light. Now, there's another way that you can understand that word, and that is how it's understood here and how it's being translated in this way, and that is that it is a word that means of processing information to understand or to grasp something. And both of these are possible But the light is something that is not attainable from within the confines of a darkened heart and mind. But it is not conquered or vanquished by the darkness either. And more important to John's message, the people were like those in Isaiah chapter 9 who were walking in darkness and they needed help in bringing, being able to comprehend it in the brightness of Jesus and how he contrasted with all that was dark around them and him. He was not like the rest of humanity. Jesus was different. Not that he looked different, not that he talked different, not that he smelled different or did anything that humans do differently, but Jesus was still very different than the rest. The darkness could not comprehend it. They struggled to accept him. And some would even go so far as to put him upon a cross And yet others would eventually come and they would see him for who he really was. This book speaks of the conflict that wages war in all of us as a created human being when we are confronted with the person that is Jesus Christ. It's the challenge of questioning why would we accept him and why would anyone want to believe in this Jesus? But if he is life, And what he tells us is truth. And if the alternative to receiving him is eternal death and separation from God that made you and loved you so much to send you a solution to your death sentence, wouldn't it be truly wise to at least hear him out and to see if he is truly what you need to know and how to find life and how to have a real relationship with the God of the universe? And so John writes his story. I want you to come and see this Jesus because in him are the words of truth. In him is the words of life. In him, there is a way to come to God. And in John 14, 6, he will say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no person born of a woman, no human being is able to come to the Father except 
through me. Which is interesting when you go back again to that verse 3. All things came into being through him. The only way you will have a right standing before the holy God, and the only way that we will ever have a relationship restored, a life restored, something that does not mean eternal death and separation, but instead eternal life and union with God, is that we have to come through Jesus. He is the only one that can create in us something new. And he is the beginning of everything that is hopeful for us. In him is life. I don't know what kind of life you're trying to live. But if you are designing your life apart from who he is, it will just simply be something that lives on only here. It won't live on for eternity. And if you're trying to exist in a life, in this life, apart from Christ, you have forgotten that he is truly life. I don't know what you're trying to live then, but it isn't something that he is the designer of. Come and see Jesus. And what this story is going to do is continue to magnify the importance and the value and the significance of a relationship through Jesus Christ with the Father. Do you know Jesus this morning? Is he your savior? Have you seen him? Let's stand together for a word of prayer. Father, I pray for every heart that's here and every life Lord, for those of us who know you as our Savior, there's a confidence in the fact that we possess this beginning, this creative power, this person of Jesus Christ living inside of us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, there may be one here today that does not possess that. They're living life, so-called, in their own strength, in their own power. And yet death is always something to be feared, something to be avoided, something that is always lurking in the shadows. But I'm grateful that you, as life, were never controlled by death. And even when you died for our sins, there was a sure confidence and promise that death had no power over you, for you are life. Lord, I'm grateful for what you have given to us in the promise of yourself, and that through you we know where eternity rests for us. That even after this human death, Lord, we know that there is no separation from you. Even as Paul would talk about in Romans chapter 8, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Lord, I'm grateful for this promise and I trust, Lord, that every person here knows that to be something that they personally possess. Speak as only your word can and only your spirit can. And may you be seen. May you be realized and may you be lived through us. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has
you. Uh, thank you, Pastor. Again, I, I say this often, but I appreciate his dedication to the Word and teaching us and reminding us of uh, truths in the Scripture. Come and see. Come and see Jesus. Lord bless you. hope you have a great afternoon. Remember our fellowship time in the back. We'd love to meet some of the visitors. Our church family goes back there for a little while, so come back there and join us. You're dismissed.